We know that COVID-19 is affecting all Oklahomans in one way or another. We recently experienced the third death of COVID-19 in the state of Oklahoma. We know that as we continue to increase our testing capacity, we will continue to have an increased number of cases. Actually, I think our number of cases are closer to over 500 right now. They're gonna get into the thousands. Effective at midnight tonight, I'm issuing an executive order restricting any gatherings of 10 or more people all across our state. On Tuesday, Governor Kevin Stitt ordered the closure of most businesses in the 19 counties with a positive case of COVID-19. He suspended non-essential surgeries and medical procedures and banned gatherings of 10 or more people. Oklahoma's positive cases of the coronavirus as of Tuesday reached 109 and the state saw its third coronavirus-related death. For The Frontier, I'm Ben Felder, and this is COVID-19 in Oklahoma, a daily podcast looking at how the coronavirus is impacting our state. Today is Wednesday, March 25th. Hey, Ben. Hey, Cassie. How's it going? Good. How are you doing? Good. All right, Cassie. So today, a big day, a big development. Governor Kevin Stitt uh, takes action, a, a safe at home or safe and home declaration, uh, an order uh, for 19 counties to close all essential businesses. This is a pretty big deal from a governor that just 24, 48 hours earlier was saying that uh, he did not think that this was a step that we needed to take yet. Right. And I think that just shows how fast this is moving. Um, You know, we talked about, I think it was on Sunday night, we talked about, you know, what is going to be the trigger for uh, the governor to take more steps, you know, maybe put some statewide restrictions in place. And um, so I guess we're seeing that now. Um, The state announced the third COVID-19 death today. Officials said at the press conference there were 109 confirmed cases in the state. So I think when we talked on Sunday, there were 67 cases. So it's it's moving up quick. Yeah. Well, and to I guess to his credit, he did say today that um, even beyond what the confirmed tests show, he suspects that there's 500 at least Oklahomans that um, would probably test positive, and he expects that number to go into the thousands. And, you know, that comes from him leaning on those health officials around him who are saying that this is the case. So, you know, he said that in making his decision today. So before we go any further, give us a synopsis of what exactly was his order today. There there were a few different different orders, and, and what does it essentially do? Sure. So it's not a shelter-in-place order. That's important to keep in mind. Um, So the executive order um, that he amended, it listed a few policies aimed to slow the spread of um, COVID-19 in the state. So I'll give you a couple bullet points real quick. So what it did was it ordered non-essential businesses such as um, theaters, gyms, hair salons, to close for at least 21 days in the 19 counties that have confirmed cases of the virus. And I won't list every county, but some of the bigger ones are, you know, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Cleveland. He did say today that as new cases show up in new counties, they would be automatically included on this list. So 
we we may see that list of 19 counties go continue to grow. Yeah, I'm almost positive it will, though, because, yeah. you know, there's some cases because this morning the cases were at 106. And, you know, there were three more since the press conference started. And one of those was in eight air county. So we will definitely see that um, list of counties grow tomorrow. Um, OK, and so. It also suspended all non-essential and elective surgeries in the state for the next two weeks. So that includes dental procedures. Um, it limited gatherings to no more than 10 people. That's also statewide. And it also he also issued a statewide order for vulnerable people to stay home, such as, you know, people over the age of 65 or those with serious underlying medical conditions. And um, the last bullet point I have is the order prohibits visits to nursing homes and long-term care facilities. And, you know, we know looking in other states, other counties, that we've seen outbreaks in nursing homes. And a lot of those people in there are already very vulnerable. So we want to avoid that at all costs. Yeah. And I think it's important to, to note that um, there wasn't much talk about enforcement of this. And uh, Oklahoma City, Tulsa, a few other cities have already been kind of essentially in the same you know, this have had the same order already for the last uh, several days. But I, what I really took away from the press conference was Stitt was saying, this is what I want to happen. This is what I think we need to do if we're going to, um, you know, mitigate this growth. Um, and I'm and I'm relying on Oklahomans to heed this word. This wasn't a, a forceful. You've got to lock it down at midnight. This was almost him appealing to Oklahomans to say, hey, it's time. We got to take this seriously. And these are the steps I think we need to take. Right. I, I was kind of wondering if he was leaving that up to maybe the individual states and counties to do that enforcement, because I know, um, you know, Oklahoma City and Tulsa are are saying that their police departments are going to handle enforcement. But, you know, we're still unclear on what that would mean. And mm -hmm. uh, the governor today didn't talk about enforcement at all, like you said. And I've had a lot of questions um, directed toward me already. I wish I had better answers just about, you know, what they can do if their employer is keeping their business open and whether it's considered essential and who they ask about that. So I think there's a lot of questions still up in the Yeah. You mentioned air. the cities of Oklahoma City and Tulsa. It should be noted that Norman, Mayor Bria Clark, um, yes. you know, she kind of essentially did a shelter in place order hours before the governor's presser. You know, Mayor Holt, it was a press conference that I watched a couple hours after Stitz, and I asked him about enforcement and he said, I, I don't anticipate that you're going to see any citations written by the police. In fact, I, I, he mm -hmm. said, I, I'd almost be willing to guarantee that's not going to be the case um, because I think this is going to be something where we're going to continue to ask our residents to to work with us on this. And uh, that was an interesting, I don't, did you have a chance to listen to the Holtz Presser at all? I think you were writing a story at the time. Yeah, so. I, was, I listened to bits and pieces, um, but I didn't listen to enough to probably talk about it and know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it was an, I thought it was an interesting address. Halt, he remarked back to the Spanish flu of 1918. I think I'm right on that. And he said mm -hmm. that the city waited 11 days before it closed or it, it banned public gatherings. And, and when it, when it did the, the Oklahoman wrote, you know, city finally, you know, addresses Spanish flu. And so he kind of, you know, said, Hey, we made a mistake a hundred years ago. We're not going to make that same mistake today. Now, you know, some may debate on whether or not the, the city and state have acted quickly enough, but it's, it's definitely the case that Oklahoma city, Tulsa, Norman, a lot of the other larger cities. And now the state is taking this pretty seriously. Right. I mean, definitely. And it's interesting you say that because, you know, 
like I said the other day, we were talking about what it was going to be. And that was maybe, what was it, 48, a little over 48 hours ago. Yeah. Yeah. And Stitt was saying he wasn't sure. So it just seems like, you know, with he is taking, and obviously, you know, I'm not in the room when these discussions are happening, but it does seem like he's taking the word of his advisors um, seriously. Yeah. And, and there's a few new faces that we've seen the mm-hmm. last couple of days. And so, you know, maybe there is some different advice being offered here. Um, and, and you reported a couple of days ago about his multi-agency task force. And so he's definitely projected the idea that I'm, I'm leaning on lots of people to give mm-hmm. me advice, uh, not just medically, but economically. Um, I was surprised by this order today, quite frankly. Uh, one was because it seems like at the national level, and there's been a lot of attention on this, that President Trump mm-hmm. said, hey, this could all be over in 15 days. I hope it is. And is he just is it just wishful thinking or is he saying that he'd, he'd like to you know, have everything open back up again? It, it seemed like there might be some political cover for some to say, hey, we're kind of following the president's lead on this, that we don't think this is going to be a long term shutdown. But it's, it's order goes well past two weeks. Right. And I was wondering that, too, because, you know, I've been paying attention to how it's being handled nationally as well. And, you know, with President Trump saying that, you know, he wants things back open, things running as usual, you know, I I assumed, well, I thought Stitt might follow that path, but I think people who are listening to medical experts are glad he did it. Yeah. And I, and we've talked about this before. I mean, obviously a, a big part of his thinking is the economy, right? And that's, mm-hmm. I mean, there are, that has to be a part of the thinking, right? I mean, you know, public yeah. health should should take top bill, but these are tough economic times, and especially for Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're dealing with a lot of other, you know, economic issues. Oil. I mean, oil yeah, oil and gas mm-hmm. industry right now, the aerospace industry, a lot of airplanes are grounded. I, I know that's and that's impacting, you know, the, the Boeing facility here. And, you know, I saw a photo of all the American Airlines planes that are just parked, sitting idle in Tulsa at their maintenance right. facility. So this is a, I mean, this is a pretty big deal. And the economy... Mm-hmm is really squeezing in Oklahoma. So you would expect the governor to give that a lot of thought. But today, I you know, gave his most serious statements about uh, uh, about this. And like we said, at the top of the top of the program, uh, even saying, hey, this is going to get into the thousands, it's going to get it's going to get a lot worse. Yeah, right. And, you know, we've been talking about how the governor is, you know, he's a businessman, he really cares about the economy. But I think his actions today, you know, and it surprised us and I think it might have surprised other people as well. But I think it really shows how serious the situation is and how serious he's taking it. Yeah. And I saw uh, Democratic leaders who have been pressing the governor to do a statewide uh, order saying, hey, Mm -hmm. we like this step. We're still going to press, but we appreciate he's doing this. Um, I didn't hear Bynum's press conference. I I would imagine he had a similar tone because him and Holt often do during this. But Holt was very thankful towards the governor and praised him for this and actually said, us mayors have been asking him, hey, if you don't want to do a statewide ban, at least concentrate on the areas where we know um, that this is is a growing problem. Right. Yeah. And, you know, we know that uh, Mayor Holt and Mayor Bynum have been in constant contact about this. And, you know, Bynum, uh, he did thank Stitt for his order today and, you know, told him that this order is going to save lives of Oklahomans. So, yeah, I think, you know, it it might have not gotten, you know, I know a lot of people were calling for a total stay in place, stay uh, stay in shelter order, but um, I think they're happy to see this step because it was, it was a big step. 
Well, I'll tell you what, the fact that a county, once they get a positive case, are included in this order, we may have a statewide order, you know, you know, who knows, days or, That's very or a matter true. of weeks. So we may, we may get there a lot sooner than we think. And, you know, the governor opened the door for that. Right. So uh, today, when people are listening to this podcast, it'll be Wednesday. Uh, other big action that's expected to be taken, the State Board of Education is going to take up a vote on whether or not to close schools for the remainder of, of the school year, close school sites. And it, by all accounts, the school board is going to approve that and tell districts, hey, you've got to figure out some kind of distance learning, although a lot of that will be on the districts and how they want to play that. So in the, in the span of 48 or 24 hours, we're going to see a shutdown of 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 businesses in many counties, and some of the most populous counties, and we're also going to see schools statewide uh, shut their doors. Right. And, you know, you're obviously covering the education side pretty heavily. I mean, what do you think that would be like for families and for parents in Oklahoma if that, you know, were to happen? And I'm sure you discussed it before. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's going to be really tough. And I, um, yeah. on yesterday's episode, I had some comments from uh, Superintendent McDaniel of Oklahoma City Schools. Mm-hmm. And there were some times where he was just kind of a loss for words. He's like, I just, I'm worrying so much about our families because we know that we do a lot more than just educate kids, that we are caring for kids in all sorts of ways. And I had a story a, a couple of days ago about some of those, some of the things, whether you're talking about medication management or uh, uh, speech therapy and counseling services and um, you know, I had a therapist who told me that, hey, the week after spring break and other breaks, as we usually see a rise in the number of DHS calls. Mm-hmm. Um, kids come back from being at their homes and maybe a little bit more vulnerable to, to, to violence and abuse. And then we can sometimes catch that when they come back to school. And I was you know, thinking about that. My goodness, that makes you, you know, th- that may be what's happening right now. We I mean, kids who are, who are stuck at home in these tough situations and who knows the next time they're going to be around a, a trusting adult that might be able to catch that. So, I mean, your mind can go right. in some really horrible places with this. You know, I think the thing that's going to be interesting to watch is how do districts take this distance learning edict? Um, there's mm-hmm. going to be a lot of flexibility in schools. I think it's important to always note that this is a very local control state. So the, the State Department of Ed, you know, they set the standards, but they don't set curriculum. And schools really have a lot of leeway in how they teach, and they're going to have a lot of leeway in this. And I've talked to many district leaders um, and we'll have a story in win- on, in Wednesday or on Wednesday about this that are saying some are saying, hey, we'd love to give all our kids a laptop. That's not mm-hmm. economically feasible. And some of our kids don't have access to technology. Some districts have already kind of been doing a personalized learning approach for years and feel like this is going to be somewhat seamless. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of people in the education community who will say, don't get us wrong. We think this is a horrible situation, but maybe we're going to see some innovative things come out of this. I, Cassie, innovation, I hope you're ready for that word. Um, I think our, our, our editor maybe suggested it for a drinking game. I think we're going to hear that a lot. We've already heard a lot from the governor. I think mm-hmm. we're going to hear a lot from the education community. Innovate, which to me kind of sounds like just make the best of a, of a pretty horrible situation. Right. And, you know, it, you could kind of look at it and as a buzzword, but really in this time, you know, we're talking about education, we're talking about businesses and this virus has so many consequences and touches so many areas of Oklahoma that it really is important to innovate, you know, just with with restaurants doing their curbside pickup, um, I guess distilleries making hand sanitizer and, you know, and you talking about school districts trying to grapple with the long distance learning. It's just, you know, we're, people are just trying to make it work around this terrible situation. Yeah. The world has to look different after this, right? I mean, I haven't really thought right. much. I haven't had time to think really much about after. I've actually tried not to because who knows how long this is going to last. 
And at least for me personally, I don't think it does me much good to think about life after COVID-19, mm -hmm. whenever that comes. But it just, it's, I don't think the gravity of how big of a situation this is, has really fully sunk in. I don't know how, if it is for you, even though it's consuming, you know, my entire day, the world's going to look a lot different and Oklahoma is going to look a lot different um, in every aspect. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to imagine because, you know, we are, things are changing so fast, like quick are changing so quickly and we are kind of taking it day by day almost it seems and obviously there's people who are looking ahead planning ahead but it's just it's so hard to say you know I guess where the peak in Oklahoma is going to be with the patient surge which you know the state officials you you know you've been listening to the press conferences have indicated that that's there's definitely going to be a peak. It's just a matter of when mm -hmm. and how big that peak is. And then, you know, just looking outside of Oklahoma and at yeah. the U S and the world. And it's, I, I think you're right. I do think it's going to look a lot different when this is all over in, in the coming days, Cassie, what's uh, what are some of the things that you're going to be focused on? Okay. So I am um, still looking at the Oklahoma state department of health has really ramped up their data capabilities and how they're sharing, you know, data with the public, you know, just not only on testing numbers, which we have talked about a lot, but also on our healthcare system capacity. Mm -hmm. So, you know, supplies of PPE, uh, personal protective equipment, you know, gloves, um, gowns, stuff like that. And then, you know, how many beds are open in the state, how many ventilators the state has, which is going to get more and more important. Mm -hmm. As we see cases grow and, you know, eventually we're going to start seeing those numbers change and there's going to be a crunch on hospitals. So that's something I'm looking at closely. And then um, so we talked about this a little bit earlier this week, um, Oklahoma trying to set up some mobile, well, I guess they're yeah. trying to call it satellite testing sites rather than mobile and then getting um, OU and OSU laboratories online to start doing COVID-19 testing. So, um, you know, the state is still struggling with the problems every other state is struggling with right now, it seems, is, you know, getting those chemicals, those reagents to complete the test. So, um, you know, talking with health department officials on Monday and the University of Oklahoma, it seems like there's a little bit uncertainty on whether that's still going to get down, uh, come done by the end of the week. So I guess we'll get more information on that situation as, uh, the day goes on. And I guess, and like we said earlier, I mean, this, this order will potentially grow in new counties. I think it's going to be interesting to watch how this is embraced, um, mm -hmm. in counties other than Oklahoma, Tulsa, Cleveland, Canadian County, some of your more rural counties. I mean, last week I had a chance to visit a, a rural community, and uh, I know Oklahoma Watch had a pretty good story over the weekend uh, taking a look at rural communities, and there's quite a few that are, that up until today said that they didn't see the need to disrupt their local economies, to close mm -hmm. businesses and restaurants. I, I don't know enough about it to say details, but I know just a while ago you were texting that there was a, a county sheriff that was putting out the word that he wasn't going to enforce this order. I mean, I think it's going to be interesting to see how this how this resonates in, in other parts of the state. Right. And I think it's, you know, it makes sense in those counties, you know, especially those more rural areas that haven't seen, maybe haven't seen any confirmed cases in their county. So, you know, it might still seem like something that's not going to affect them. So, I mean, I can kind of sympathize or empathize, I guess, with, 
the decision not to shut businesses down. And I'm not saying it's the right decision, but I, yeah. I kind of understand, I guess, their line of thinking on that. But I think as the virus spreads, I, um, I think, you know, maybe just like the governor will see attitudes changing on that. Yeah. Yeah. It will be interesting to watch. Well, uh, Cassie, another big day. I'm sure we'll have more, more big days to more big days to come. Let's yeah. end it like we always do. What's your, uh, what's your good moment? Okay. So, I'm really leaning on Walter as a crutch this week, <laughs> but right. it was definitely Walter. So I took him, I had to take him to the vet today to get his, um, his second round of vaccines. And he was, I think he was like five pounds last time I took him and now he's 11. And it's just, it's so fun to watch him grow. It's just, it's been, it's been really fun having a puppy around. And since, you know, I'm working from home so much, it's it's been good timing. Yeah, I think for me, um, my I have I have one child, an eight year old son, and, okay. and obviously we're all in the same house. My wife is uh, is working from home, and uh, I think just getting a chance now that it's warming up a little bit. It was chilly the last several days. Now that it's warming up. We live right next door to a, to a giant park, and uh, I think just kind of getting to get out in the middle of the day um, to throw the football around with him has, yeah. been, has been really nice. Because normally during the middle of the day, if I'm working from home, I you know, if I need to get out of the house, I can I can take the dog for a walk. But to have my my son there to just say, hey, let's go throw the football has been a, a, a nice distraction at different moments. And as Mayor Holt said today, that he's he almost ordered us to get outside. He said, this is not a, a I'm not ordering people to stay inside. I, I want I think you should go for walks, you know, maybe avoid playgrounds and obviously don't con congregate with a bunch of people. But it's important for our health to mm -hmm. to get out in the sunshine. Yeah. And it was a beautiful day out day uh, out today, too. So you picked it was the perfect day for it. Well, we'll be back at it tomorrow to see what the next day brings. But uh, Cassie, thanks for your time. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Ben. You too. Talk to you soon. Bye. Right. As of yesterday, more than 200 nonviolent offenders have been released from the Oklahoma County Jail in an effort to limit the spread of COVID-19. Earlier this week, the Department of Corrections said it would no longer accept new inmates. Today, the State Board of Education will vote on whether public school sites should remain closed for the rest of the school year and for districts to implement distance learning programs. For The Frontier, I'm Ben Felder. I'll be back with you on Thursday. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and healthy.